maybe six weeks ago, a friend of mine called me and um, said that he was emptying his library out, and he wanted me to have first shot at his library. And so I went to his house, he's a seminary graduate, and um, just a wonderful treasure trove of books on theology, books on doctrine, books on church history, books on all kind of stuff, and I mean I was just overwhelmed. Probably a few thousand dollars worth of books that he gave me there that evening. And as he was handing me all these books, he handed me this book, and he said, all that other stuff is theology and doctrine. He said, this is everyday practical life. And it's a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. And Philip Keller was a shepherd. That was his living. And as I began to pick up this book and read it, it has just blown me away uh, with a daily practical look. at. I, I thought, I've read Psalm 23 500 times, I've used it at funerals 500 times. There's nothing I can find in it anymore. But I have. And I'm going to begin this Wednesday evening teaching um, from this book. I've got a whiteboard full of notes already uh, from this book. If you're not involved in anything else on Wednesday evenings, come in here this Wednesday evening. We'll start looking at this. And we're going to simply look at the first phrase there that says, The Lord is my shepherd. And we're going to take off from there. So I want to invite you to be here for that, let's go to Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 5. Paul's <clears throat> wonderful letter here to this church at Philippi. Let's begin in verse number 5. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself. And right here, I want you to realize there's a better translation that says, but emptied himself. Emptied himself, um, nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Philippians is a wonderful book. Uh, here, it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi while he was in a Roman jail cell. Now, we look at this example here of Paul, and we see that the number one missionary in the world at the time, the greatest missionary who ever lived, the greatest evangelist who ever lived, is sitting in a jail cell sidelined. And we think and we wonder, why would God's greatest emissary ambassador for the gospel, why would he be held captive here? What use is he to God at this time? But we understand that God allowed him to be in jail for the purpose of writing these letters. The letters to the church at Philippi, the letter to the church at Galatia, Letters to the churches at, 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 at Ephesus. We realize that he was set aside sometimes and taken off the road because he wrote these wonderful letters that not only were a benefit to the church that he wrote them to at the time of his writing, but now some 2,000 years later, we're still benefiting by reading from them this morning and following the example that he gives us of Jesus. So, 
2,000 years later, we look at this and we realize as we read this that Jesus is Lord. He was Lord in the past, He's Lord in the present, and He'll be Lord in the future. His Lordship was the theme of an early Christian hymn that was called the Kinesos Hymn. And it was a hymn that Paul took the words of that hymn and he converted them into this letter to the Philippians. It would be like someone today writing us a letter and incorporating the words of the song we sang last week, Chain Breaker, or one of the songs that we sang this morning. Paul took that hymn that they were familiar with, that he knew that they sang in their church with, he had been there singing it with them, and he incorporated those words to edify them. The first part of the hymn, verse 5 through 8, is about the Lord's humility. The second part is about the Lord's exaltation. So as we try to dig deeper, as we try to become deeper in God's Word and we look at Jesus, we understand that healthy doctrine celebrates and submits us to the Lord Jesus. So we look first of all and we know that Jesus emptied himself. Jesus has existed, as the words tell us here, he's existed for eternity. He was in the past as God, he was with God, and he was in the form of God. This is emphasized by the verb being. It means that he originally existed. He was there in the very beginning. He's been here for all time. He was there at the beginning in creation. He was there before. He has always existed. As the song sang, as we sang just a few minutes ago that Michael let us in, he was and is and is to come. Jesus really was in the form of God, as it says there in verse number 6, meaning that he was in the nature of God. He was also equal to God, meaning that he, Jesus Christ, is God in every single way. Now, think about this. He, has the t he, is, he is equal with God the Father in every single way, but the Bible tells us here plainly, that he did not regard his equality with God as something to cling to or hold on to or use to his advantage. Have you ever known someone with a title or someone of prestige who could use that title to their advantage? I read a story this past week about Queen Elizabeth II. The last time that she visited the United States. And the reporters told this, uh, reported this that her luggage was, four, she had 4,000 pounds of luggage that included two outfits for every occasion. Some of you men are saying, well, what's the big deal with that? And my wife does the same thing. She had a grieving outfit in case someone died while she was here. She had 40 pints of plasma. She had a white kid, she had white kid leather, leather toilet seat covers. She brought along her own hairdresser two valets, and a host of other attendants. Her brief visit to the United States cost $20 million. Now contrast that with the God of heaven. God's visit to earth took place in an animal shelter with no attendants present and nowhere to lay the newborn king but a feed trough. Indeed, the event that divided history and even our calendars into two parts may have very well had more animals than human witnesses but God the son was willing to humble himself and to come and to be born into that situation he made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men a bond servant is someone who 
voluntarily gives their life over to another person to serve that person. The Lord Jesus Christ came in the likeness of man and became fully a man so that he could serve us here today. All of humanity he served. He didn't cloak himself in humanity. He actually became fully human. The contrast is stark here. Jesus moved from an eternal existence as God to a physical existence as a man. He retained his deity. He was every bit God, but he was fully enmeshed with humanity. And this is what we call the doctrine of incarnation. It means that the divine nature of the Son was perfectly united in one divine person there. Jesus, think about this. Think about what Jesus gave up for us to become our Savior. He had to be fully God and fully human. He emptied himself, leaving heaven and all of his privileges behind to live here among human people. He became human. He limited himself in every way and fully experienced humanity. Everything that you've ever experienced, Jesus experienced so that he could understand us better. So only a person, fully God and fully human, could become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus modeled humility by sacrificing so much. One writer put it this way, he became what we are that he might make us what he is. In other words, he became what we are. He walked in our flesh. He understood us. He went to a cross, submitted himself to death on a cross so that when God looks at us in our relationship with him, God doesn't see a sinful man, but he looks through the righteousness of Jesus and he views me as having no sin, past, present, or future. So Jesus emptied himself so that we could have that, and we see that Jesus died on a cross. He did the unthinkable for a divine being. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself in a lot of ways. You think about it. Being born in a stable, becoming a commoner, and walking among uh, men here on this earth. But his most humble act was submitting to the most degrading death ever possible, which was a crucifixion. Dying on a cross, as was said in Galatians chapter 3, was forbidden for Roman citizens. It was beneath them to even think about that. That was their specific punishment for other people. Dying on a cross was a curse for a Jew. And Paul goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians that the cross was a stumbling block for many and foolishness for others. We still see that today. The cross is a huge stumbling block for a lot of people. Just this past weekend, a very famous uh, music, Christian musician said these words, I wish people would stop singing in church about a father who murdered their son and sing about a God who takes care of them and does wonderful things for them. I've actually heard this guy in concert back when I was a youth minister years ago at a camp. Now he's become famous, but now he says, I wish people would stop talking about the cross in church. I wish people, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh-uh. I'm going to preach the cross of Calvary. I'm going to preach Jesus and him crucified. 
And, and that's, that's the whole, Paul said, if I preach anything else, let me be cursed. The cross is still a stumbling block today. It has become a stumbling block to the church. We want to we we bring people in and we want to do everything else but preach the gospel. We want to we have a show. Last week, this week's show has got to be better than last week's show. And then next week's has got to top that. I'm here this morning to tell you that we're here. Mike is here to lead us in song about Jesus. I'm here to preach Jesus. Our, our children and our youth are going to be fed Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to do that until you decide that that's not what you want to do. And then we'll go do it somewhere else. Okay? It's Jesus. That's what it's about. It's Jesus. It's not a circus. It's Jesus. Jesus came and humbled himself and gave his life, and it was a stumbling block, and it's foolish for others. The world today looks at us and, and, says, and, and says to us, what you believe and what you think is foolish. It was foolish to the people of Paul's day. It's foolish to the people of our day. But I can tell you what is in my heart is not foolish. What is in my heart is real. I know the depths of forgiveness. I know the depths of salvation. And I know that it is real. And no one can tell me different. I sat and listened to a man last night as humble as any man that I've ever listened to speak before. And, and I listened to him present the gospel. And Bryson and I got in the car and he said, I never heard a preacher like that before. And I said, well, I, I've heard them all my life. And I said, you need to hear them every now and then. You need to hear somebody that, as he said, he pins their ears back. And what was it he said? He pins their ears back and lets the mule dig. I don't know that I'm capable of that with these lungs anymore. But doggone it, I wish I could. But the cross is a stumbling block and it's foolishness for others. But to us, we understand that without it, we're nothing. Paul was saying that crucifixion was more than a way to end a life. It was a horrific form of torture designed to slowly suffocate its victims. In addition, Jesus was brutally beaten prior to being crucified. He died the most degrading death that was ever possible for a human to die. But he was obedient in doing it. He was obedient in doing it. He gave up more than we can imagine to identify with us as humans. He then allowed himself to die this horrible way through crucifixion, fully God, fully man, fully died, so that he could be the relief or the forgiveness for the sins of the world. Now think about this. Jesus knew. He knew that his resurrection and ascension were on the other side of that crucifixion. But still, think of the horror of knowing that you're going to die this way. And that you came for no other reason but to die this way. He's had this on his mind his whole existence. And nothing could lessen the shame and suffering he endured. What he went through, not just to the cross. He still had to endure all its agony. His death was mixed with the sins of humankind for who he atoned. But then we see that Jesus is exalted. The cross was a means to an end for Jesus. The scriptures in verse number 9 said that God has highly exalted him and giving him the name which is above every name. 
Jesus was exalted by his resurrection. And he was further exalted at his ascension. This phrase, highly exalted, speaks in a dramatic way of the contrast um, to phrases like he humbled himself. More to the point, his exaltation or his resurrection and ascension is overcomes man's degrade, degradation, which was the cross. God exalted him much higher than man could ever take him low. Um, as a part of this exaltation, Jesus is given a new title, Lord. Lord, which means he is supreme above every other. Now, when you hear certain names, you automatically think of a person, their identity, their character, their accomplishments. If I throw out a name this morning, I could divide this room um, in half. All I'd have to do is say Nick Saban. Half of you are thinking about championship rings and trophies and confetti falling at, uh, at somewhere different every year. And the other half are thinking, he's got to be cheating. There's no other way. He's got to be cheating. I can throw out the name Tom Brady, or somebody could say Tom Brady, and I immediately think five Super Bowls, uh, trophies, five championship rings, um, supermodel wife. I mean, he just seems like he's got everything. The rest of you, you Falcons fans are thinking Deflategate or video and spying this guy, you're a cheater, you know. We automatically associate things with people's names. At least a dozen times between the 8th and 12th grade, Mr. Johnny Smith, my principal, looked across the desk at me with a board in his hand and said, Ingram, you're ruining your family's name. I know, he, said, he would tell me, he said, I know your family and they're better people than this. But when we hear the name Jesus, what does it, what does it, what does it bring into your heart? When you hear the name Jesus, that's it, Miss Betty. He's the name above all names. When you hear that name Jesus, it divides this earth. It's the most divisive name. It's more divisive than Trump. It's more divisive than Obama or Clinton. Jesus is the most divisive name on this earth. When I hear the name Jesus, I think Lord and Savior. I think forgiveness. I think resurrection. I think ascension. I think someday I'm going to stand in his presence. And the most wonderful thing that I could ever hear is well done, good and faithful servant. To the rest of the world, it evokes emotions of hatred. It evokes emotions of, of laughing and mocking. But when I hear the name Jesus, I know that it's the name above every name and it's the only name worthy of having the word Lord attached to it. Jesus is now exalted. He's no longer the lowly Savior, meek and mild. He's resurrected. He's ascended. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And someday he's coming back with the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You can't make him Lord. He is Lord. You can't define him any longer as an infant, as a man, as a teacher, as a prophet, or a servant. He was those things. Now he's Lord. 
And he will be for all eternity. Because Jesus will be worshipped. God has seated him in a place of honor with a new name. Commanding respect. And every knee shall bow. Every created being will worship Jesus. Those in heaven, those in earth, and those under the earth will worship Jesus. Not only will every being in the universe bow down to Jesus, they will also speak submission to his name because every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. People who live their entire life with the only time that they ever used the name of God or the name of Jesus was to blaspheme will someday bow their knee and someday with their mouth confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to confess it now. I want to confess it while I still have breath in my body. I want to every opportunity that I get to express that Jesus Christ is Lord. His life, from birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, points to only one conclusion. All Jesus accomplished was and is to the glory of God the Father. Everything he did was to glorify God the Father. Jesus is going to be worshipped. Every created being, human and otherwise, spiritual beings, angels will worship him. They will ultimately bow down before Jesus and confess his lordship. Now, this morning as a Christian, I have ultimately submitted to Jesus and I have acknowledged that he is Lord. That's what I did one evening. I said Jesus is Lord and I give my whole life to Him. Now, I want to spend the rest of my life telling other people about Jesus being Lord. You see, this church that Paul was writing to, this church at Philippi, they were marked. Paul is telling them all throughout this book, all throughout this letter that he writes them, you are, a, you are going to be a persecuted people who are going to go through great tribulation but you can have joy in Jesus Christ. I'm in a Roman jail cell, and I am sitting thinking about you, and it brings joy to my life in such a way that I can write it down and express it for all of eternity. Now, I've told our Wednesday evening and Sunday evening group this, and it's not an exclusive club. Any of you are welcome on Wednesday or evening, Sunday evening, okay? Just throw that out there. But I've told my group on Wednesday evenings, I, I, I liken this, what Paul says here to the church at Philippi, to this. One of these days, my children will put me in Duggar Mountain Assisted Living. And I will be there alone, because Bree still be able to go. She's a lot younger than me. And when they wheel me out there outside on the porch at Duggar Mountain Assisted Living and I tell them, just point me over there to Duggar Mountain and let me look over at the mountain. And they bring me my pudding and I sit up there and eat it. All alone. Don't you come see me, Mickey. <laughs> I'll be looking over at Anderson Farm thinking, whatever happened to that crazy Diana woman over there? <laughs> but here's what, here's what I tell them on Wednesday and Sunday evenings. When I'm sitting there alone, just me and the Holy Spirit, I'll think back about you. 
I'll think back about you. A lot of you will already be with the Lord at that point in time. And I'll think about the glad reunion that we're going to have. And I'll think about how you tirelessly went about telling other people about Jesus. That fellow that came to speak last night, he was scared to death because he was at a First Baptist church. He, he thought we were the typical downtown First Baptist people. He wore a coat and tie. He was so nervous. But then he got to meet us, and he realized who we are and what we're about. And I'll sit there, and, I, and just as Paul reflected on these people at Philippi, I'll reflect on the people at Piedmont First Baptist Church. And I'll think about how you gave up hours and hours of your life to go and share the gospel. I'll think about how you took care of each other in your times of need. How you prayed for each other. How you took each other meals. How you shared each other's burdens during your times of loss. And it'll bring me great joy to know that God allowed me to be a part of a people like this. And it will give me great joy, even, even more joy, knowing that because I submitted my will to God and I gave it over and said, you take this life. I can't do, I've messed it up. You do something with it. And to know that he's taken me and, and placed me here to serve, I'll look back at that and before I fall off into my nap, I'll say, thank you, Lord, for the time I spent with those people. Paul was able to do that. He was able to write them this letter and say that. And I want to say this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, man, you are missing out. There is nothing in this world that the devil is, devil is whispering in your ear and telling you what you're going to miss out on. And what you're going to have to give up. And what you're going to have to not enjoy anymore. And I can tell you this. <laughs> let it go. You just let it go. And I promise you. I promise you this, this morning. God will make your life into something that you could never possibly imagine. Give it to Him. If you're here this morning and you are a Christian. I want you to pray for those people who are struggling this morning with that decision and I want you to think about this you bowed your knee one time and gave God control of your life when's the last time you bowed and said Lord continue on take me continue molding me continue shaping me continue taking me where we need to go when's the last time maybe you just want to come and bow at this altar and just talk to him for a few minutes maybe you want to bow to the uh, to the, the lordship of baptism or church membership, whatever it is, Mike is going to lead us during this time, and I want you to reflect on what we've talked about here this morning. The example that Paul gave us of Jesus himself being Lord but being humble and serving humanity. Would you pray with me as we stand? Father, we speak to you this morning. And we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this morning, dear God, that the Holy Spirit would speak to many hearts and souls here this morning and point them in the direction that they need to be.
Father, if there's any here this morning who need to know Christ as Savior, I pray that they would come and allow us to, to take Scripture and to proclaim Jesus in eternity to them. Whatever our need is this morning, if we just need to bow our knee and say, Lord, continue working on me, let us be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.